good morning, good morning. Welcome back to another Noodleberg Daily Huddle. It's time to lock in, strap in, and get ready to go on this fantastic Thursday. I got to tell you, there's nobody that gets me more fired up than Mr. Jim Barrett. With the first yeah. comments of the day before we're live, it's like Jim's, it's like Jim's crushing the YouTube yeah. game and ensuring that we are operating properly on that platform and helping us create the engagement you know, you we know need. When we the, you know, when we were in the locker room or you walked into the tunnel, and I I was never a run out with the team guy. I was usually there before, but you could hear the rumblings. Like yeah. walking out, you could hear it. And even like a, a a band, you know, it's in the back and near the crowd. Like that's how I feel when his name pops up at like seven forty-five. Hit the Ready to roll, baby. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> Ready to roll. Or you know, sometimes you turn around and you look up in the stands, and there's that one guy in the section that's just like, "Let's go, let's go, like let's oh, go, man." It's time to get like rocking and rolling. Any 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 takeaways from yesterday? I know I had a great day. Um, had some great yeah, conversations. I, I think we, I, I, on the ball, got some good news as a whole, you know, just on a client front and that things are going well there. Um, big, big Steve Noodleberg put one in the, put one in the big, pipe yesterday. Yeah. That was, he, he had, he had a Joe judge swing yesterday. A, a Joe judge or excuse me, a, uh, Aaron <laughs> judge swing. I mean, to me, everybody's a football name. So like, right, so he's right. football before baseball, but congratulations to Aaron judge who hit his 60th home run, tied Babe Ruth for for that part of the record, and uh, is on his way to solidifying himself in baseball history. But yes, Steve Nudelberg had a huge swing at the plate yesterday. It's great for on the ball. But my favorite takeaway was with Andy Smith yesterday. Our call was a little over an hour, I think, and it was just great, great work, deep work. Inside of a inside of a couple businesses and inside of strategy and helping people and it's just good stuff. It's it's really interesting because it's it's coaching, but it's almost collaborative at the same time. You know, right. it's not like talking back at one another, and there's this kind of open dialogue of trust with what's feeling, what even the doubts are that are the doubts that you normally don't allow to leave your mind. You know what I mean? That like you have them, um, and that was kind of the cool interaction. So I, I, somebody somebody sent me a, 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 a you know a, a screenshot this morning of a quote about coaches and how they make decisions and my response back to them was good coaches operate that way. I wish all coaches were good coaches because what you're talking about in that open dialogue something that I talked about with the Sistel people earlier this week which is the dynamics of how you lead people have changed. The dynamics of how you get people to allow you to influence them and then actually adopt the influence is no longer the days of do it because I said so or do it because I know what's best or do it because of my title and and what I'm you know what 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 experience I have. It's no longer the case. Right. If you're going to earn the opportunity to influence somebody, it's really got to come from a place of teaching them how to fish as opposed to giving them a fish. Right. And it's, you know, going back with developing that relationship to where you can hold them accountable at the same time, you know, that it is an open dialogue. But there is like a moment of, look, this is my job to hold you accountable at the end of the day. I've earned that respect. So now allow me to coach you. And it's cool when, and I think about it and well, it's only a small part of the show today where we'll, 
we will touch on football. But two of the best coaches I was around in my short time were Juwan Sider and Brian Johnson. And there's no doubt that they've now gone on to their next stops, been successful. Juwan Sider is the OC at Penn State, and Brian Johnson's the quarterback coach for the Eagles. But they ran their rooms like that. Like, I want everyone to understand that we're friends and we're boys, and I'm going to develop this relationship. But when it gets tough and when it's time, I am going to coach your balls off. And that has to be okay. And that was how I learned, you know, and it's yeah. translated. Yeah. That that's that's my relationship with dad. It's always been right. my relationship with dad. Well, no, it's not true. I think I think it it it, it shifted more towards an accountability piece right. later in my life. I think we were always close. We always had that friendship. But I was always I always knew that when it, like it came time to be accountable for something, he was going to do that for me, regardless of how close and how great our relationship was. And I think it's similar. I hope that it's similar. With you and I, like the other day when we were having a conversation and you were on your phone, took me all of my strength not to grab your phone and throw it across the coffee shop. But I did make it a point to be like, are you here? Or are you there? You know, like I'm holding you accountable. You're like, I got it. I know what to do. I'm, you know, but it's not about you knowing what to do. It's about me, you know, me knowing 100%. that you're here with me and being a part of the meeting. So, you got anything yeah. To add this morning, where are you at? Hi, Shay. How are you? Yeah, not much. Let's you know, I just I do my. I read a tweet enjoying the whole run race. Shay's enjoying the whole race. The Marlins outlook is as grim as it's ever been, is what one reporter says. It's not good. It's not good. Not good. So let's get to some morning wake up music. Let's get this thing going, and then we're gonna come back and get to the rest of the content. So, Mark, so, what is oh, real quick, if you don't mind me to take the controls for one yeah, minute, go. what is today? What day is, what day is it's it Thursday. today? It's Thursday. Today is Thursday. What a popular hashtag on Thursdays. Throwback Thursday. Throwback Thursday. I have a special throwback video that shows the first time me and Mark got on screen together. Shay, please play it. That's Amy's rule. So, okay, there's going to be great oh, crunch. No hold, hold on. Oh, we can't live, even live, live from the audience. Yeah. <laughs> We're sharing, by the way. Corona, uh, no, Corona, we can't do it. I mean, we have, we've been, been living together. So we're obviously doing social distancing. Okay, that's good. Audience member who donated, Gabby Ray. First of all, at Gabby Ray, killing it. Miss Ray <laughs> delivered us these excellent jalapeno margaritas you know that are easily, easily a nine point three on the margarita chart. Oh. Okay. Oh, good. Wow, crunch. Dough burn my face. We've got a casualty. Oh man, taking it back to the pandemic and taking it back to what we called food review Saturdays. Uh, good times. A great throwback for me. It was uh, during the current or during the pandemic when I first kind of came home. 
We made it a, a habit or, you know, a, a weekly mandatory attendance for, you know, quarantine Saturdays and Mark being, you know, the marketing genius. <laughs> Start reviewing things and throw it on, you know. Um, we ended up going chicken tenders. So find a way to educate always. Educate. Right. Dan Nelson says one bite. Every no, Everybody knows the rules. So we started that day with pizza, and they were frozen pizzas. Yeah. Right? And, like, Howie's asking where was the pizza from. I think we did a California. It was, it was Amy's, like, Fresh Kitchen and, like, a California pizza kitchen one. Right. And I think Amy's took it like by a long mm -hmm. shot. I think Amy's was significantly doing burgers, wings. We did everything. We I had love a, that. That's a great that throwback. And, and yeah. the point being there, right, is like we were just having fun, right? We had nothing else to do. We were quarantined. We were, you know, just trying to figure out something to do to keep ourselves busy. And uh, actually had somebody tell us that they missed the food reviews and asked when we were going to bring them back. So I love that. But today we've got some great huddle headlines to talk about. Shay, give us the huddle headlines music and then we're jumping into it. Jay, give me the first one. First one, if you didn't know, Amazon paid a hell of a lot of money to earn the rights to Thursday Night Football. And Mark, it was an overwhelming success. They drew a record number of Prime signups for a three-hour period. And if people do not know, Prime Video and the Prime membership are two different things. Prime Video got you just the game and their audience the over or, and you know their other video platforms. But Prime, their overall subscription that gets you the free shipping and all the other perks was a record high. So unbelievable stat, which sent me down a rabbit hole because I was trying to I did all the research to try to figure out what that number was of signups, because I'm so interested to know right. as what number. success looks like for them in a number of signups in a matter of three hours. But the other thing I started researching was. What's the total number of subscriptions that they have, right? And, and how does that compare to the world? So I found out that they have 200 million subscriptions worldwide, which is just around two and a half percent of the world. So <laughs> if you do that on your calculator, that's the number you get. <laughs> un unbelievable, unbelievable stat to find out that they own two two and a half percent of the world with subscriptions to their prime membership. But I, what I thought was really interesting was, is it drives home the point of marketing. To me, it drives home the point of being in LinkedIn, which is be where the eyeballs are, right? Like the most successful time frame that they've ever had in signups was because they went to a place where all of the eyeballs were. And I'll go back to the time that I worked for ESPN in West Palm. That was always my understanding was like, regardless of what your marketing strategy was, you can't deny that people are going to be here. People are going to be around sports and it's an unbelievable place to get your message heard. Now, what message you choose to put there and whether or not that becomes effective is, is what makes it work and makes it, makes it successful. But at the end of the day, you got to be where the people are. You got to be where the eyeballs are if you want to have the opportunity to drive any attention or awareness around you. 
what I talk about and what I thought about and dad talks about it all the time is being good at one thing, not being good at everything first. You know, everybody comes in. We want to do this. We want to do this, this, this and this. And he always uses the McDonald's analogy with who sells the most coffee and everyone goes Starbucks, blah, 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 whatever. And he goes, no, McDonald's. Why? Because the most people go to get burgers there. Right. And so you talked about it the other day. You're a little bit older than me. You were like, I know Amazon as just a book delivery company. Like that right. was what it did. And you know what? In your mind, you were like, well, they deliver books better than anyone else. So they can deliver anything else better. It, it started, they got really good at one thing and known as that and then continued to expand. But keeping the same principles, keeping the same fundamentals and the things that they stood on and their principles, you know, to deliver a good product, to make it all interactive and all these different things. They've got great books that have been written from people that were, you know, chief of staff there that have been a part of the growth of that company. And their systems and their processes for the way that they continue to innovate, the way they create teams that are responsible for projects, the way that they create visibility, the way they create their processes of bringing people in and hiring. They are a masterclass for sure in understanding how to be great at one thing and then not lose your ability to be great at that as you move across verticals and do different things. So congratulations to them. Congratulations for understanding a great principle of be where the eyeballs are. Uh, Jake, what is our next huddle headline? I think our next huddle headline might have some conflicting views. I'm sure it might, might be a generational thing, but there's a new study out. It's starting to come to America a little bit. California almost did it, but didn't. But the United, or United Kingdom released a new study that the four-week Four-day work week is working for most firms, and it's about a 78% of leaders at more than 70 UK companies that shifted to the four-day schedule say that 88% say that it was just as effective or more productive than the rest, than the five-day week, where only 2% found it challenging. I think this is a pretty significant study because as you look at it, they had over 3,300 employees that were a part of this study, right? It was a six-month pilot program, over 180 companies that were currently doing it or, 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 or had it in process. And the employees typically transition to a four-day, 32-hour schedule, right, with no reduction in pay. And for, for me to see that, and I know that, that John Harity – who has been a, a you know obviously a, a on a, on the ball team member and on the roster pr- previously, but has done incredible things about pushing his patent firm forward and trying to be forward thinking with what they do. He's been testing this, and interestingly enough, I think when you look at businesses, there are some businesses that can afford to go to a four day work week and actually have three full days off, where the whole company is doing that. He had the idea to shift it to a four-day work week for employees, but still cover Monday through Friday for working. So not everybody had the same day off. Some people were getting a full three-day weekend, whether they had Friday or Monday off. And some people were getting Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday off in order to ensure that what needed to be done could still be done on the days that they were taking off. But this is this is a, a forward thinking, and this is moving away from that, you know, hustle and grind mentality of having to work all the time where work smarter, not harder. I don't agree with hard work is, is mandatory, 
but hard work all the time equals burnout. So what's your thoughts on, I mean, you, you're, you have a very different track through school than I did. Your, your courses were online. You were able to move through a very different scenario. What do you think about well, this? I, I think, and I've, excuse me, should have done my research before, but what's the, what's it called where as long as you schedule something, it's going to take you that long to do it. Like if you schedule an hour, Parkinson's law, Parkinson's law is the, however long, however, however much time you allot to an activity, it will take you that amount. Of time. So I think we're so programmed that we have five days to do things. We have five days to spread things out. Well, I, I have to be here. I have to work on a Friday. So I'm just going to spread it out, have, you know, some things on every day. Well, I have Friday. I'll push it to that day to do something. And I think if we just constrained it and said it has to be done in four days, nobody would really be mad. And I think, they would have ultra focus in those four days rather than like, I kind of have all this extra time. I'm trying to balance both instead of getting it done and then focusing on one or the other. Well, so as you look at the stats of what people said, nearly all of the participating UK organizations, 86% said they'd be likely to keep the four day schedules after the pilots finished. Almost half, 49% said that product productivity had improved. So half of the people in this said that productivity increased while 46% said that it remained the same. So forget about not getting enough done, right? You took an entire day away from people and you saw half of those people get better at what they were doing and the other half remained the same. So Henry Paisano, to answer your question, no, it wasn't a 10-hour day for four days. It They moved to a 32-hour work week. So they were still doing eight days, eight hours a day for four days a week. So, and Christy makes a great comment. People would be better at prioritizing and more effective. But I think as an organization or as leaders, we have to take the responsibility to ensure that we're able to help them do that. In order to move to a four-day work week, we better be really clear on what our priorities are, what our initiatives are, and what we want our people working on so that that's clearly defined. Because if we're going to take a day away from everybody, like Christy said, they'll be better at prioritizing and more effective as long as we know how to communicate that from and the top down. Touching, and touching on that, like, and you were a part of these games, Florida State and, and Florida, and whether you, if you play on that weekend at all, that Thursday is gone. It's Thanksgiving. Correct. It's that week. And so we alter our schedule to get everything done. We don't lack preparation and going back to it. Like it all relied on the head coach preparing a week before say, Hey, look, this week's coming up. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. So I didn't say this yesterday on the GOTB live call, but Lori got on there and was talking about her virtual coffee. And she was like, well, you know, I had these coffees last week. Well, I guess it was this week. And I wanted to say to her, well, technically for the GOTB live crew, our weeks are Wednesday to Wednesday. Right. And, and that 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 concept for me has always come from football, because if you played on a Friday and you then had to turn around and play on a Saturday, you had to fit your normal routine into a day less of a week. Or if you played on a Friday and we're going to play again on a Friday, then you took your normal Saturday to Saturday schedule and shifted it to a Friday to Friday schedule. So creating routines creating processes, creating habits for people to where you're able to do the same thing regardless of what day of the week it is. This all goes back to time management. This all goes back to, to, to mindset. This all goes back to the ability 
to be able to understand what do I need to do? How do I need to do it? And developing the process around it so that it doesn't matter what day of the week it is. doesn't matter what my week looks like, whether I'm in a short week or a long week. doesn't matter. I know exactly what I need to do and I know exactly where I need, how I need to do it so I can plug and play in any day. Yeah. And it's, and it's interesting because I think you're, when we make changes, it's tough, right? And they say the, mo- the majority of the people that dropped out of the study were the ones that got cold feet. They didn't even allow it to go. They got to the point where like, oh, I'm not going to do it, you know? Yep. And they obviously touch on the fact that, and I've seen some comments, like, it's just not possible in my industry. There are 100% going to be industries where that's not humanly possible. That's yep. a reality. But it's interesting that eight of the people who went through the study, 86% said we have no interest of going back. That it increased right. retention, it increased productivity, people were happier in the office. So you start learning from studies, it's it leaves clues. It's not that you're just guessing and you go off others and you have to be willing to try. You gotta be willing to to get yourself out of your comfort zone. Like that to me was I remember, I'm gonna go back to football again for a second. I remember when you know the rugby style tackling techniques were being taught in Seattle. And they were teaching people to tackle without the head. This was the start of CTE and head injuries. And, oh, my God, the sport of football is really bad for people. So Pete Carroll went out and said, here's a sport that plays physical contact that doesn't have anywhere near the same amount of head injuries. What are they doing that we can adopt? So he started teaching things that were drastically different than some of the fundamentals that had been taught in football prior, but it was safer. They were getting, they they weren't getting the same injuries. They were still being just as productive in tackling and better in some cases. And so then everybody started to look to them to go, Oh wow, that really works. But then you had people that were like, no, 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 this is the way it has to be done. This is the way it's always been done. This is the way we're going to do it. And you saw the separation of people who eventually all had to migrate at some point. Well, and we, we, especially with some of our new clients that are adverse to posting or haven't been in the habit of posting or sharing, they're like, ah, I don't want to talk about myself. But when you guys have such interesting things and you're trying new things, it's not bl- gloating or anything. Like Harity does a great job of just telling the world what he's trying, not telling yeah. you should do it. It's not saying it's right or wrong. He goes, I'm trying this and these are the results we've had. Take it as you will. And that's what sharing is, is documenting, not creating. There you go. And it's, I wrote about that this morning when it comes to sales training. Like to me, if you want an indicator on whether or not your sales training fits today's selling environment, and I hate the word selling environment, I think it's business development environment. But if you want to, you want one question, are you teaching people to sell or are you teaching people to market? Because if you're teaching people to sell, nobody wants to be sold to. So you're teaching them a tactic that is putting them at an adverse situation for people immediately. Whereas if you're teaching them to market, which is way different, marketing is getting people's attention. Marketing is figuring out how to develop a relationship and a feeling with somebody. Marketing is educating and nurturing and guiding That's a way different conversation than teaching people to interrupt, than teaching people to pitch value, than teaching people to pitch product, than teaching people to follow up and close, which is in the history of selling. That's the selling process is discovery, solution, presentation, close. 
doesn't work that way anymore. Nobody wants to buy that way. And so I know we had a ton of quotes, sales quotes that we wanted to get to. We're not going to get to that today because we're already over time. Great job with the huddle headlines. Great job with the conversation. Hope everybody enjoyed it. Steve Noodleberg will be back tomorrow for the show. We will see you on a finished Friday. Let's get down to business. Please don't worry about me. I'm about to let my heart speak. Friends keep telling me to leave this. So let's get down, let's get down to business. Let's get down, let's get down to business. Give you one more night, one more night to get this. We've had a